Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of My EdTech Life. Thank you so much for joining us on this beautiful, and hopefully in your area, it is also a beautiful, beautiful Saturday morning. Many of you may just be getting up, putting on your cup of coffee, maybe having that first sip, that first bite of some breakfast, depending where in the world you're uh, visiting us from today, because I know that today we will have a lot of uh, guests showing up here in the in the chat that are joining us from the UK. And for them, it's already mid-afternoon. But wherever it is that you're from, thank you so much for choosing you know, some time out of your day to join us here with uh, the wonderful and always amazing Kat Lamon that we will be here talking, just having a great conversation and just hearing some great things that have happened within this year. And we know that it has been a difficult year, but Staff Room, and you'll learn a little bit more about Staff Room, has been just an amazing, amazing thing. So thank you guys for joining us right now. I see AJ Bianco. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. AJ, AJ's been a guest on our show and also an administrator. So uh, let's go ahead and get started. So Kat, please go ahead and tell our audience members, our viewers, our watchers, our listeners, who you are, what you do, and especially where you're from. <laughs> So hi everyone, my name's Kat. Um, I'm currently living in London, UK, but I'm originally from Cornwall, which is deepest, darkest Southwest England. Um, I am what's called an EdTech consultant, which is similar to a coach in the US. Uh, after 11 years as a primary school teacher, so teaching the younger students um, under 11. Um, and that's a little bit about me. I run a mental health staff room for Global GEG, um, and that was something we started nearly a year ago today. Yeah, and that's something that we were just talking about a little bit before the show started. You know, March 14th, you know, actually for ourselves, you know, I, I still remember and it's coming up to that date, March 13th, when we were kind of prepping and seeing, okay, how long is this going to go through here in Texas? And then all of a sudden it's March 16th and you, we just had to just transition and all that good stuff that, that we've seen. And I know it's been hard, but staff room and Global GEG, some amazing, amazing things that have come out during this time. And that's something that I, I really thought would be a wonderful show, Kat, and the work that you have been able to do and you being able to have that foresight and see there's going to be a need here, you know, especially for educators during this time because of this switch. So tell us a little bit where maybe this idea came from. How did you just started you know um i'm gonna sort of rewind massively because i forgot to give you a little bit of information about me anyway um so as a young person i made up my mind i wanted to be a teacher when i was about nine um and i always knew i wanted to be a teacher and that was my goal in life um so i worked hard i was a teacher before i turned 21 i qualified just before i turned 21 which means i didn't stop i didn't take any gap years i didn't break um and it was what i wanted to do uh, when I first qualified to teach, I was in Cornwall, which is southwest England. It's a desirable desirable place to live. Um, so there were about 100 applicants for every single teaching post that came up. Um, and I know from people who were heads down there, they would just throw half away at random because what's the point? You know, there's got to be a good one in the 50 you've got left. Um, so as a newly qualified teacher who was a bit anxious, to be fair, I didn't get any jobs. So eventually I moved to London um, after two and a half years of supply teaching, trying to find a job, um, ended up in London. I was working in a school um, and it was a really interesting school. It would have been, it was a secondary school, so middle school for you guys. And they just made a decision that the weakest 60 children weren't allowed to be taught by proper secondary school teachers. And they had to be taught by primary school teachers um, because they weren't very academic or whatever. Uh, so my first full-time teaching role actually was teaching these poor kids that had been labelled as stupid by the system, basically. And they knew it and everybody knew it, that these 20, these 60 children in three classes were the weakest academically. Um, and they'd been shoved in the top corner of the school, thrown away almost. Um, and it was it was heartbreaking because these children had, in all fairness, degenerated to savages when I joined. They'd got rid of their teacher. They'd literally been so awful to her that she left after six weeks and so they had no teacher for five weeks and they made their job they actually told me on my first day that their favorite thing to do was to get rid of teachers and see how long they could last um and and this was my first teacher and I come from a very white area 
and I moved to London and it was a very mixed area. You know, my class was a third Somalian, a third white and then a third of various other ethnicities. Um, and I, I, it was it was certainly an interesting experience and they took advantage of my naivety at times. But within six weeks of me being their teacher, teachers were coming to me, coming to this top dark corner of this massive school to tell me that the class had changed and what had I been doing with them. Um, and it was sort of that moment where I realised, oh, no, I, I can do this teaching thing. I can help. Um, and that was a really nice difference. Um, and seeing that if you get to the bottom of what's what people want from life, you can help them and do well. Like there's one little boy, and I always remember his name was Mukta, and he was really naughty. And he was, you know, teachers hated him. And then I discovered one day that he wanted to be a doctor. And it meant that if I just said to him, you know, Mukta, if you want to be a doctor, you can't do that. And he stopped. Um, and then this really, unfortunately, I, I, I went to see the teachers who were going to be looking after him the next year. And um, the teacher said to me, oh, I don't want to hear about that. I don't care. And, and I think that was the point where I realised I couldn't stay at that school because I knew that the second they were out of my care, that was it. They were written off again. Um, and so I sort of applied randomly for jobs and I didn't even realise that I'd applied for a private school um, until I got the job. And they were like, so what, what drew you to a private school? And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's, that's what this is. <laughs> I thought they were very well-behaved children. <laughs> um, and so, you know, so desperate because I'd applied late in the year. Um, and I actually ended up spending eight years in that school because it was a really good school to be in, really positive environment. Um, but so one of the things, I don't know what it's like in the US, but in the UK, you are expected to disclose if you have mental health problems, but people don't, you know, nobody wants that black mark against their name. It's not a legal requirement, I don't think. Um, but I, I always put it on, you know, I don't care. I, I suffered from depression when I was 19. Um, and it was in my first year at university. Um, and it was a horrible experience. I was suicidal. I was very briefly taken to a mental health hospital. Um, although I think now looking back, it was to scare me, not to actually put me in there properly. Um, and, you know, 19 years old, just back from my first year at university, my world fell apart um, and I ended up on medication. Um, and so, you know, it, I don't know what point in my life after that, but I was just like, mm, well, you know, that's who I am. It was a thing that happened to me. I've moved on from it. La la la. Um, and so, you know, when I applied for this job, I put on the form, yes, yes, I suffer from depression. Um, and I think I remember the deputy head at the time just said to me, you know, I've noticed you've put that. Um, you you know, if you do have any problems, let me know. Uh, and, you know, with the eight years I was there, there were a few times I had wobbles. And um, the particular one for me was 2011. My dad got diagnosed with a brain tumour. Um, and that was not fun. <laughs> uh, and they were really supportive of me. Really good, really wonderful. Uh, looked after me but the one thing they kept saying was you know we, we appreciate this we know it's a problem for you we're happy to support you but we don't want the parents to know um and at the time I thought okay that makes sense the parents are paying eighteen thousand pound a year to send or fifteen thousand or whatever it was to send their children here they don't want to know that a staff member's unstable um but looking back with hindsight I kind of think well actually you knew I was a good teacher you knew I was a good supporter of staff um couldn't you have if, if the parents found out couldn't you have said well that doesn't affect her ability to teach um so there's that kind of that two-sided and I, I understand where they were coming from but it always at the back of my mind I think was this but actually I think it makes me a better teacher in some ways because I recognize mental health problems because I've had them um so that's sort of where I'm coming from in a lot of ways and then my dad did actually pass away in 2014 um, and that was obviously quite a difficult time and again the school were really great they gave me some time off but it was also at that time that in the UK the national curriculum changed so we went from not really teaching computing just in digital literacy and we were the first country in the world to introduce computer science and coding into our curriculum um, and I knew nothing about it and I was the computing coordinator at the time and I remember not it was earlier in the year before my dad passed away and um a parent came in, a uh, really lovely guy called Simon Holden, came in and said, uh, you know, can I have a meeting with you and the head? OK, we all met. We had this meeting. So, you know, the curriculum's changing in September. And we all went, what? 
Um, okay. Uh, and, and he was really lovely. And he talked about this thing called Code Club and how he could help if we were willing to do a club at 8 a.m. every morning. Um, and the way my school worked was that we had a meeting at 8 a.m. We had to start work. You know, we had that uh, 20 minutes after the meeting to get ready if we still needed to. So there's no way I could run a club with him at 8 a.m. So I was like, ah, oh, run my own club. It'll be fine. Didn't have a clue. Never looked at Scratch even at that point. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I sort of started running this club. Uh, and the way Code Club used to work was you put out for volunteers. And I thought, someone will volunteer to come in and help. No. no. So I just learned it myself. And then eventually I bullied my friend to come and join me. Um, and that was when I found this thing called a Raspberry Pi. Oh, yeah, I'll get a few of them. Managed to persuade the school to buy me four of them. Didn't have a clue what I was doing with that. Um, found a thing, you know, searching Twitter. And as you and I are both big fans of Twitter, finding our personal learning friends and whatever else. Um, and I found, I can't even remember how, but I found something called Pi Academy on Twitter, um, which was a Raspberry Pi training and got onto the third ever cohort of that. Um, and it was this that for me was this big transformational moment because I went on some training and up until then and um, I'm really hoping nobody from my school watches this because every training I ever had I fell asleep <laughs> not for long but I could just feel myself drifting off by mid-afternoon you know <laughs> and then I went up to Cambridge I went to the Raspberry Pi Foundation's office and I did this two-day training where not only was I awake, but I was buzzing. I mean, literally, there was one point where um, I, a girl I became very good friends with, Hannah Mills and I, were working on something, and we literally jumped up and ran screaming down the corridor because we'd got a code, we'd, we'd written a, Python, a bit of Python to make a camera, make a button, take a photo, and publish it to Twitter, I think. Um, and, and I just suddenly had this moment of, oh my God, training can be fun. Um, and it was this big epiphany moment for me um, and that's what led me out of the classroom effectively because I just kept seeing this boring training and thinking no no that's not how it should be um, and in the meantime my school bought iPads for the or no, the school asked the children to buy iPads oh, wow. and told me to deploy it you know off you go cat you can do that you can be in charge of all that let Meraki in a day um, and I found this thing called Google um, Google for educate Google apps for education. I was like, yeah, that looks good. That looks like an easy way for me to get the children doing emailing and stuff. And that was 2014 or 15. It was when Google Classroom was before Google Classroom existed. Mm. Um, and and I was using that in the background and um, just constantly, you know, constantly using Google and it changed names to G Suite for Education. So I made this decision around about 2015, 16 that actually what I wanted to be doing was helping teachers, making training fun, delivering computer science, all of this kind of stuff. Um, so that's what led me out of the classroom. I ended up um, uh, going, I actually ended up leaving the classroom and working for an ed tech startup for a while, uh, doing some Raspberry Pi stuff for a company called PyTop. Uh, and then when I left them, I was really fortunate that Andy Caffrey contacted me and said, oh, you know, I do Google training. Would you be interested? I know you've noticed you've mentioned Google quite a bit in your Twitter. Um, and so obviously became a Google trainer on his recommendation and then looked at Innovator. Um, and I'd actually, I had applied for Google Innovator in 2014. I think it was the same year my dad died. I applied. I think it was the week my dad died as a distraction. And I didn't get in. And I'm kind of glad I didn't get in um, because I don't think that would have been right for me. And then I was going to apply for Denmark 2018. And I think I just, it was too short a time scale. I found out about it about three days before the application was due. So then I was going to apply for London. And that was my due date for William, my son. I was going to apply for London. So right, that's it. I'm going to apply for Sweden, Sweden 2019. And I kept putting it off and I kept putting it off. And then I think Andy messaged me maybe a couple of days before the application was due and said, have you done it yet? No. <laughs> um, so I did the, the quickest application I've ever done. I did I did work hard on it. I mean, it was literally a case of Stuart, take William into the bedroom. I don't mind if he's crying. I don't care. I need to do this. Just just leave me in peace. Um, and so I, I did my application. I saw everyone posting on Twitter about how they'd applied. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm not confident enough. <laughs> Definitely not. And that's you know, unlike me. So um, I applied and I got, did get into Sweden. And that was a really good experience for me even though the whole week I was 
horribly ill and couldn't concentrate. Um, and the key thing that came out of that was uh, meeting Jessalyn Swanson, who is a wonderful innovator. And she and I became quite good friends. Really, you know, we, we chat quite a bit. And then suddenly one day late, I think it was late November-ish, uh, I got added to this random Twitter glue group um, that eventually became known as AWE20. Uh, and it was about 20 odd people, all of them innovators and all of them complete loonies, including Abid, Luis, Steph, the Stephs, um, Leslie, all of those wonderful people. And uh, Jesse, Jess had basically said, you know, I want to add Kat to the group and Abid, okay, fine. Um, so the next thing I knew, I was getting a million Twitter messages, and we sort of fast forward to this to to 2020, and you know we'd been chatting for a few months, and there'd been regular meetups, and I almost never made them because I was kind of like, ah, baby, don't know what I'm doing, um, and the world started to fall apart, and I saw people on Twitter, you know, look at this, here's my resource, here's this, here's that, and I was thinking, oh, I'm not in the classroom, I don't really know what I can do, I just don't have a place to help people and as schools or as things started to close down I had this sort of epiphany moment where I thought to myself actually there is something I can do um that you know everything's crashing around people we're all throwing resources out at there into the deep blue ether but actually I can guarantee that while there are plenty of people chatting, talking, throwing things out there, there are also a lot of people who are sitting in a dark corner, panicking and don't have anyone to talk to about it. And I thought back to my own periods of mental health. And, you know, over the years, I've had times where spontaneously I felt like everybody hates me, the world's against me. I mean, that's part and parcel of being a depressive. Um, my brain just flicks a switch and starts to tell me that people are only being nice because they feel sorry for me and things like that. Um, and I just... I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I know how to deal with that because I've dealt with it since I was 19. Right now, there are people who just feel like everything's going wrong around them and they don't have anyone to talk to. So I ran this past the sort of AWE20 group and said, you know, what do you think about doing, you know, a staff room or something? And just opening it up and seeing who wants to come and talk. Um, and I think we we sat and I, I opened a document and brainstormed what we could talk about and like people like Jess Marsh from Canopy, and yeah. Abid and Emma Emma Pass, um, Nicholas Provenzano. I was even getting, you know, anyone I knew who was willing to join in and talk about it. And I knew there were people who were confident and talking about mental health. And I knew there were people who had mentioned to me in passing that they were struggling. And I knew there were people who hadn't said anything but probably were. And I just grabbed as many people as possible and said, who's in? And we had this sort of list of GEGs that were becoming part of it and it got to a point where I think it was about eight eight or nine different GEGs and I, and I can't remember if it was me or someone else but we just said let's just call it global GEG you know that's just global GEG staff room let's go with that because there's just too many names on the list and so I made this google form um and we just I, and I, I think I said at the time I don't know how this is going to work I don't know what this is going to look like but let's give it a go and open up this place where people can talk um, and I sent out a Google form, made a calendar invite. The first one was on a Saturday, which we never actually repeated um, because I was just, you know, what day can we do it? And I think the schools in the US closed on the 13th, wasn't it? Um, yes. So we said, OK, it looks it looks like US schools going to close this week. Let's get this on Saturday the 14th. So it's there if people need it. It's a space to talk. Um, and I think those first few weeks we literally just did an hour of everyone just where are you from how what do you do and how are you feeling right now and you could almost feel this weight lifting off people's shoulders as they talked um, and a few people said oh you know it's getting quite long all these introductions um, maybe we should rein them in a little bit and I kind of like I agree but at the same time this is how you can feel it helping people having that opportunity to talk um, and I think I, I can't even remember when I did it, but that was when we started introducing the on a scale of one to nine and uh, the infamous rubby, rubber ducky, rubber ducky came into play. Uh, so we started just, you know, on a scale, give us your number and why. And I, I did that by random. You know, it, it was a thing I thought would be fun. 
and I cannot still can't can't believe how empowering that was for people because it was the why when you said you know what number are you and why and and even if you said you know what what song are you feeling right now and why what color are you feeling and why and you could really gauge people's stress level their mood what was going on in their lives and you'd have someone who's chatting away friendly la 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 and then they say yeah I'm a three because I feel like everything's crashing around me and you'd like you know you don't get that from people just chatting um and I thought I think I sort of realized we developed this safe space and because I've always been fairly open about my mental health you know I yes I suffer from depression yes I'm struggling a bit other people started to speak too and afterwards they say oh I don't normally talk about that kind of thing but it was you made it me feel okay um and and I don't know there's just something so powerful about the fact that people felt comfortable talking about their mental health um and having that confidence to just pour it out uh, and what I found really interesting was that over the time we've been running you know we've been running it for a year and there are people like yourself and Rick who've been there from day one and you know always there and at the beginning we were doing three a week so I was doing a, I think it was a 10 a.m on Tuesday or no 2 p.m on Tuesday 10 a.m on Thursday and the one we stuck to 8 p.m mm. on Sundays and then Leslie Altman bless her uh, offered to take on the Thursday ones because I just couldn't I was literally every time William napped I was running another staff room um, and we were we were getting you know 25 people at each session some duplicates but quite often different people depending on the time zones um, and it was it was just incredible and by sort of July as American schools went back and UK schools wound down for the year we dropped down to about five or six people in each one and that was the point we said okay let's just do one a week and I ran it past the AWE group and said you know what do you think should we go to one a week um, and Leslie was like yeah I'm getting the same I'm only getting a handful of people um, but we're still going we're still getting those regulars we're still getting people and one of the things I like is that we get people who come every week so we we chat we know each other now and I was saying to you before it's one of my favorite things that have come out of staff room I have people I consider like yourself really good friends on the other side of the world yes. that I would never have met if it wasn't for this staff room that we're doing um, and I have people I can ask, you know, that, that understand me, that un understand my language when I talk computing. Like the other day, I think Judy and I fell into a really deep and dark conversation about Scratch for 20 minutes and nobody batted an eye. You know, everyone's like, okay, that's, that's normal for us. Um, and, and I love that side of the staff room that we can just chat away. And I've completely forgotten what I was talking about because I've been distracted. No, but this is perfect. And and I just, this is amazing. Like, you know, just getting that that whole backstory. So people know who Cat Lemon is. People know how this, you know, Global GEG staff room started and the importance and the impact that it has made, not only just there in the UK, but I mean, you're talking about a global impact. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it may be like 25, 30 of us that show up, you know, continually, but we're from all parts of the world. And the way you mentioned, you know, kind of going back to when you were talking about your teaching experience and you're talking about the one student that wanted to be a doctor, but you mentioned something that really, really resonated with me is when you look at the roots, you know, what is causing this, but then you also get to know the student and what their interests are it all starts with building relationships and the fact that you took the time to ask, to wonder, to be curious and, and build that relationship, build that connection. You knew how to address, you know, your student because of your personal experience that you went through as well and being able to recognize. Now, many people may not pick up those hints. Many people may not pick up those nuances that say, hey, you know, there is there something going on here and so on. So it, it's very important. And the relationship going back to that, I think being part of staff room from the beginning to find a space where other educators, you know, that I, we were talking about this a little earlier, you know, we may be presenting ourselves and, and doing amazing presentations or doing work. And maybe you're in a position where people look at you like, oh my goodness, like how do they have it together? 
But when you can go into a staff room and just kind of uh, just that weight lifts off your shoulders because you're pretty much either just working on adrenaline, you're just going and going because of the situation. But when you get to come to staff room and you get to talk to people that understand where you're coming from, like you're saying, the conversations like you and Judy, we all have conversations where people just get us. You understand where we're coming from and we can just the rubber ducky. How are you feeling from one to nine? Well, I'm feeling maybe like a five, a little deflated. Why? And to me, that's the magic, the why. And it has allowed me to see things from a different perspective, understand more what the importance of mental health is, because I'll be honest with you, Kat, up until school started closing, I had no, I've never even heard of the term mental health, but now I see the importance of it, not only for our educators, for our students, but for everybody, especially living in this time where you may feel you're just enclosed, you don't, you, you don't have that contact with people anymore. I mean, you know, you're calling it social distancing. And, and even then, I try and not even use the word social distancing, because I want to tell people you can still socialize, but yeah. in a, you know, in a space. So it's, it's more of kind of like a, uh, not social, but more of kind of like a, it, it's just a positional distancing, but we can still talk, we can still relate and so on, because, you know, it, it's hard. And, uh, but being able to come to a room and meet wonderful educators from around the globe and hear that, hey, you know what? You're not the only one struggling. We, there's a lot of us that are going through this and you're able to open up and build each other up, give advice, just share, or most importantly, just listen. Yeah. And oftentimes, like you said, that's so important when you take the time to genuinely genuinely care about what somebody has to say and you learn from them, you get a greater appreciation of that person, their life, where they're coming from. And to me, Staff Room, going on a year now has been one of the biggest blessings to me, both uh, personally, more than anything, my personal growth in understanding and being able to listen and see things through different lenses and learn new things that I had never learned before, but professionally as well as being able to now see, learn, get a feel, and allow me to adapt, improvise, and change things depending on moods, depending on how people are doing. And, and it's something that's very important. And I mean, I, I really want to thank you and, and everybody in the AWE group that came up with this staff room and and this is where i lived you know three days a week for the most part you know for that one hour to just go to a place where i can just kind of be myself for a little bit and let people know like hey uh, like I, i'm burning out here or like hey you know i i don't know where to go from here what do i do what's next does anybody have any suggestions or just be there and listen and encourage other people and yeah. uh, relationships? It, I think it all comes down to that, just building that relationship, that space. And one thing that you mentioned that I am very thankful for is being able to get to know people from across the globe that I would have never had the opportunity to meet and genuinely know who they are, genuinely care about them, check in on them. I mean, we're continually sending messages to like, how's everybody doing? Hey, can anybody help with this? Or sometimes, you know, I've we were talking about this earlier, there'll be some of us that build that bond and that relationship where we're like, hey, man, like, is anybody up for a chat? Like, I just need, you know, 10 minutes, 30 minutes off, off of staff room time, you know, but is anybody available? And yeah. just to say, hey, yeah, yeah, like, hey, let's chat, let's chat it up, see what's going on. And and man, that has been so beneficial in so many ways for a lot of us. And and it's just been amazing. So like you said, March 14th is going to yeah. be already the year, one year of staff room. And yeah. it has Very been an amazing cool. ride. <laughs> I'm already starting to plan something. I don't know what yet, but <laughs> we've got to do a party. Um, and I, 
it's so fascinating. There are a few things that I find really interesting about um, the staff room as a whole. You know, you've got, there are people on there and I see this and, and it's the same with me. We have our staff room persona, which is more ourselves. And it really is like walking into a staff room. Um, and uh, and so you relax and you come down, and you talk and you talk about ice cream and there's a bit of bad language. I'm not going to lie. Um, and everyone just pours out. And then you watch that same person do a presentation about Gmail or about Wakelet or whatever. And it's a different person because that's the professional persona. And I love the fact that people feel like when they walk into or when they walk into staff room, when they open the staff room meet, they can relax and they can be themselves and share and let things out. And then the other thing I really like is, um, and is it, it's the people who pop in. And so there are people who come all the time and they talk and they just pour it all out. And there are people who just pop in and they'll say hello, because we have to do a check because we have had the odd um, bot join in. Um, and we you know, just make, confirm they're a real human in the chat or whatever and then they'll just sit with their cameras off and the amount of times someone's just said to me oh yeah I just wanted to listen I just wanted to hear you talk because you all seem to like each other and have so much fun and it cheers me up and um and I love that side of thing and then I also like that we get people who come in and say look I've just got this thing that's bothering me what do you all think about this and we all jump in oh yeah yeah this is what's happened to me um and and I really love that that fact that we can go from talking about the fact that in Australia, fish and chips is shark to here's how to control a classroom when you're running it on Google Meet. Um, and it's just like that, you know, one minute we're talking absolute rubbish and the next minute we are in the game. And yeah. that's it. yeah. um, and it's absolutely brilliant. And, and one of the things you mentioned there is that whole shared experience. Um, for most of us, certainly at the start of lockdown, we felt like we were alone because we'd gone from teaching in a large school or whatever else to sitting at home and all our contact with children was straight via a camera. And just having that shared experience, and obviously it was scary, but at the same time it was absolutely fascinating hearing what things were like in different countries. You know, this is what's happening in Colombia. This is what's happening in Texas. This is what's happening in Mexico. This is what's happening in Australia. And just hearing those different stories and knowing that we're all experiencing very similar things was so reassuring in some ways in spite of the horribleness of it um yeah and so that was that was really good um and as you said it's it's all about when, when we're teaching we as teachers i think from my point of view the teachers that are the best are those that are willing to get to know their students um and that is make or break you know and I think having staff room has helped us recognise that that can be done remotely because usually we make those relationships in break times at the end of the lesson, at the start of the lesson, with the jokes we have with our students. And that doesn't work as well on a camera. And we're conscious that the parents are there watching sometimes and lots of different barriers click in that prevent us building those same relationships. But what you do still see are those teachers who are building good relationships with their students, who are deploying those skills to make sure that it's not just the educational health of their students, but the mental health of their students is looked after. And it's one thing I've always said from the very start, um, you should be doing at least one live lesson a week, but not a lesson, really. It's a social check-in. You should be doing a lesson with your students where you're literally just trying to find out how they are using, you know, secret methods. You're not going to be straight outright saying, so how are you? Who's ill? Who's sad? But by, you know, deploying these things like the rubber ducky to check in and find out what's going on, because realistically, we do know that there are students at home who have abusive or horrible other situations at home or are caring for somebody at home. And we can't, you know, outright ask them how that how it's going, but we can at least get a feel from doing these little activities. Um, and I think it's really important that we are conscious of mental health of our students and of our staff mates and the people we work with um and if if staff rooms achieve one thing uh i do feel like the people who come are more comfortable talking about their mental health and i'm really really pleased with that because it's it's so important for me um i i sort of made a pact to myself three or four years ago two or three that i would talk about my mental health so if I'm struggling, it goes against everything that I'm battling, I will write a tweet and I hate it and I will hate myself for doing it. But I know that it's 
helping other people if that makes sense and I'm being open I'm being honest about it um and and it's actually got easier weirdly so the first time I did it I think I wrote it I deleted it I wrote it I deleted it I wrote it I deleted it and now it's second nature okay I know I'm struggling I need to put something on social media that's not uh oh please give me attention show me that you love me but that just says you know I am struggling I'm fine but this is what it looks like if you're struggling um, and a lot of people will know that in November, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety again, uh, which is no surprise, really. Um, I've been getting migraines for about a month or two. I think I'd actually had to cancel a couple of staff rooms because of them. Um, and the doctor kept saying to me, you know, is everything OK? And I said, yeah, yeah, it's fine. And then he said, is everything OK? And I said, well, yeah, apart from the obvious. And he said, oh, what's that? And I just sobbed. Uh, it, it came out of nowhere and yeah. I hadn't noticed it. I, I remember you sharing that story, you know, and and that's one thing that also, like you said, is so powerful, just somebody that is willing to share because you're not the only one and other people are scared to share because like you, we've talked about it several times in, in staff room. It's just that stigma, but you know, you don't know people's struggles. I mean, like you said, one thing that you mentioned, I mean, we see all these wonderful people in staff room that are doing global GEG presentations and you're looking at them like, oh my goodness, look at these people, like so just professional, so knowledgeable, so everything. And then we see them in staff room and it's like, man, guys, like this is, this is happening. This is happening. This is happening. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, we're only human and we can only take so much and there's only so much that we can control that is within ourselves but sometimes we just need to talk it out and uh, so i'm sorry i didn't mean to inter interrupt that but yeah, if you continue with that because i know if you want to continue sharing that because to me it was such a powerful moment in you sharing that that i, I was just like wow I, because it's things that i've never experienced you know yeah. and it's helped me understand that more and i, I think because for me, when I think back, it's always been part of my life. I've always had that nagging sense of self-doubt, that nagging feeling that, you know, people don't really like me. Um, and I know that's affected my attitude, my behaviour. You know, I'm very, be me, me, look at me, please like me, please. Um, and, you know, I actually ended up in November, I had therapy and I was very fortunate because one of the things with therapy is sometimes you don't click with your therapist and then it's a waste of time. Um, and I was very fortunate that I was given on the NHS, which is very rare, and I don't know how I got this, but um, I got a very good therapist who I clicked really well with, and she really helped me work through a lot of issues in my past and things like that. Um, but it, it's, you know, when, I, when I'm feeling down, when I'm feeling depressed, I, I find a plummeting sense of self-worth. Um, you know, I am utterly convinced that I'm a waste of time and space. It's like imposter syndrome, imposter syndrome dialed up to 20. Um, and, you know, I was I was telling myself, you know, getting messages from people thinking, oh, no, they, they don't like me. They're, they're secretly talking about me behind my back and they mustn't really like me um, because I'm so obnoxious. I'm so annoying. I'm so in your face. Um, and all of my bad, all, all the things I perceive to be bad, I'm sort of pushing them out and thinking and using them to create a shield to myself. Um, and so, you know, when the doctor said, you know, what, what do you mean by the obvious? And I just collapsed and sobbed. And I think I spent the rest of that day crying because I realised that I'd been thinking I was fine when I wasn't. And I'd been sort of telling myself, yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's fine that you're crying loads. It's fine that you're finding non-sad things sad. Um, it, it's absolutely fine that you spent a day convinced that your entire mother baby group hated you for no reason. Um, and then it was it was just it was like I felt this sense of release that actually, oh, my gosh, my mental health is at a low. I'm struggling. Um, my serotonin levels aren't working. Um, and so when, you know, when I was younger, I would and it, and it is one of the ways of looking at it is depression is a lack of serotonin. And I just be like, well, it's a physical thing. My brain can't do it. But now I know more about what was going on. There is a bit of both. My brain can't produce enough serotonin, but there are reasons behind why it's not producing enough serotonin and why I'm not bouncing back up. Um, and it, it's been it's been really good for me actually having this round of therapy, which I only finished in January. Um, and I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm quite happy with the fact I'm on antidepressants right now. 
Um, and again, really lucky. The one I'm on regularly has side effects and I haven't had any. Um, I know a couple of my friends, a couple of people in Global GT even are on the same one, um, which they've mentioned privately to me or even publicly. Um, and I think just being able to say, yes, I've had therapy. Yes, I've, I, I acknowledge that my mental health has struggled in this horrible period is absolutely fine. And it's, it's really interesting for me because the newspapers talk about mental health and they say, oh, you know, people are, people are struggling with their mental health because of lockdown. And that to me is fascinating because I think the thing that's affected my mental health isn't the lockdown itself. It's the people not following it and not doing what they should be doing. That's what's affecting me. Um, so I always find it really fascinating when the headline is, oh, well, it's because they're locked, people are locked at home and can't do anything. That's why they're struggling. Um, but yeah. anyway. No, and and I agree with you, you know, on that. And and like you mentioned earlier too, it's just, uh, you know, I, I I applaud you, and and I like I said, for just the way that you are, and you're open about this because, and that's the whole point. The whole point of, you know, not only this this show today, but you know, of uh, Global GEG staff room is just to be able to just really share and get to know people. And like you mentioned earlier, you know, you too, like, you know, there may be other, you know, members that show up, you know, to the staff room or part of Global GEG or even just acquaintances, friends and so on, maybe going through the same thing. And now you have helped them. You're, you've empowered them where maybe in that sense of they just feel like, oh my goodness, am I the only one? And now it's like, okay, I'm not the only one. But now we can also help each other. Like, how are you doing? You know, and check in on each other. And I think that is so important in in any situation. And I think that it honestly, it it may not be done enough in schools, like teacher to student, you know, or even teacher to teacher, administrators to teachers. You know, you try your best to, you know, put on, you know, or say like, hey, we're going to have this meeting. But maybe not a lot of people show up because, again, that stigma, they're like, well, if I show up to that meeting now, they're going to peg me or they're going to be like, oh, you know, now I've, I've got this and, and, and then I'm going to be seen differently. And that's something that's so important that I think that staff room has built up that psychological safety that you can go in there, whether you may be going through a difficult situation or not. But like you said, there are people there that just listen and they get joy in listening to hear either somebody's success story yep. or then they learn something and say, you know what? Wow, like this is deep. There, there are people that are going through some difficult times and then they'll start slowly actively participating and then opening up. And it just becomes like this amazing support, a global support group pretty much is what is what it is. And you're learning from one another across the globe that you're not the only one in Texas, you're not the only one in California, you're not the only one in the UK or in Australia, wherever it is that you're from that may be going through these struggles. And I think that that has been, or that has made an amazing difference for myself to be able to just go in there and just unwind and just like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with people that understand that I can yeah. talk and say, hey, this is what's going on. And they're like, okay, cool. Like I'm going through that or I just went through that let me share what I did or, you know, and, and we go bounce back from, from tech to personal, from personal to tech. And it's just that, that amazing, um, just again, that safety, that psychological safety. So it's just been something that has been wonderful and so helpful. And, and going back to what you're saying, you know, teachers, we, and educators don't know the struggles that students may be going on, that may be having, at home, and I'm I'm going to quote, and I've used this quote several times in a lot of the trainings that that I've done, and it comes from another innovator, Devin Rossiter, and this resonated with me when he said, you know, as teachers, we need to understand that we are guests in our students' homes. We're now in their private space. We're now in that area where they may have those struggles. They're going through difficult situations, and you're going to see that now firsthand. And like we mentioned earlier, either the parent is going to be there right side by side. You're going to see something that may not be that you never thought that you would see because we know our students from our four walls in our schools. And 
we know that not everybody has been dealt the best hand that maybe for those eight hours that they're in school, those are the safest eight hours that they have before they go home. And now a lot of teachers have seen the home situation, the home life. And I know that that adds stress to them too, as well, aside from, hey, everybody, we need to make sure that we do the curriculum. We need to make sure we prep students for state testing. We need to make sure that you're doing your lessons. We're going to be doing your virtual walkthroughs, your virtual uh, observations. So, oh my goodness, all that added stress aside from their family life. And like, for example, like yourself, like, you know, you've got William there. And sometimes, you know, I know that you have to present and then William might be there. And, you know, he's, he's, he's just being William, like a little kid. And, and so imagine for myself as seeing teachers, like, you know, they're teaching, they've got to worry about their 25, 26 kids on the other side of the camera. And then aside from that, they're still mom and they are still a mom or dad to the kids that they have at home. I'm just like, oh my goodness, you know, these are conversations that need to be had. And and I think that there really isn't enough, at least maybe, maybe I haven't seen it, but there really needs to be a lot more and a lot more help. And I think a lot of teachers and a lot of educators really just have to take that into account and just say, hey, this is a safe space. I just need to talk, unwind. Because like you said, once they ask, well, why are you feeling that way? That question can be so freeing and they can take so much off of their chest, like you were sharing. Um, Yeah, and so that's one of the things. So obviously I did my Innovator in Sweden and I actually went into Innovator with an idea around um, accessibility and dyslexia and things like that. And I was working on an extension to improve focus. I had a wonderful friend I met working at PyTop who was helping me, but um, in his free time to develop this extension. And I suddenly stopped and I thought, why am I doing this? This isn't where my passion is. I'm doing this mental health staff room and I'm listening to stories and I genuinely I enjoy hearing them and drawing people out just like you're doing with the, the uh, tech life podcast and things why don't I create a website why don't I let people share their stories because there's something so powerful about sharing your mental health journey whether it has a positive ending which you know most of them do or whether it's still an ongoing problem because people can not only read it and appreciate what other people are going through but also they can read it and recognize themselves in the story. And I'm, I mean, I'm so lucky. I put a call out and I think I got 15 different stories for the website, but I'd still love more. So if anyone else has stories who are watching this, um, I'm more than happy to have anonymous stories. So there are a few on there that are anonymous. Um, some of the, most of them, people are happy to share their identity because I think they've reached that point of, I'm happy to share my stories, so I'm happy to be me. Um, I, I, I mean, I even had one teacher who phoned me up and dictated their story because they said they couldn't um, they, they couldn't write it down and they didn't want me to record it because they wouldn't be as honest. And this teacher poured out their story and I'm frantically taking notes and turning it into a document, which I then sent and said, you know, is this what you had in mind? And they were able to send back a few corrections uh based on my understanding and whatever else um and it, it's one of the most moving stories i've read on there and it was just dictated to me uh, and and i just i i love that people were willing to share their stories with me so that was what i i ended up turning into my innovator project my mental health and education website um thank you for sharing that and I, honestly i i just i like giving people that voice the opportunity to talk about what's what's happened um, and where they want to go from here. And one of the things I found interesting is I've, I've had two sides of the story. So obviously in my case, I went into education with mental health problems and in some ways that helped me step aside. And then there are a, a good couple of stories at least where they've said their mental health made them finish another job and go into teaching where their empathy and their nature could be properly appreciated. Um, and that that was, I, I didn't, I actually didn't expect that, but it was interesting to see that side of things. Um, and I've got, you know, there are stories on there from anxiety and depression are the most common. They seem to be very common among educators, um, but people with bipolar disorder, eating disorders, um, 
one student shared their story anonymously. That was obviously not nice, but good that she was willing to talk about what had gone on. Um, and I just, it's been really good to see other people's perspectives because I know what it's like for me as someone with anxiety and depression, but I don't know necessarily how those other illnesses work. Um, so I'm just really grateful for the teachers who have been willing to share. Um, so yeah, that was that was my innovative project that came out of Staff Room, really. And you know, and sometimes, like you said, you, you just learn how to pivot. So what I'm and and this is your pivoting to something that is great. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and guys, I know I did pop in the link for um, our audience members right now that are viewing, but you can all and I did put a uh, cat's uh, Twitter uh, handle also as well that you can get in contact with them. But I'm going to go ahead and just share here. And this is the website, all right, right here. So we can go ahead and check this out. So Kat, just go ahead and uh, walk us through here. Uh, if somebody wants to contact you or, you know, well, what can we find here on this website? Um, so the first thing was I wanted to make sure that there was a link. Cause I know that sometimes when people struggle, and I've had this a few times, people have messaged me when they are struggling. And I have to keep saying, I'm not a mental health professional. I can't, I, I can, you know, listen to your story, but. I can't be responsible. So I have got that link for urgent support. And I think if you are genuinely struggling, if you are not coping, you should contact your local area's support, um, whether that be MIND or your doctor or um, Samaritans or whatever else. I, I do need to build on that one. But there are sort of definitely support services in different areas. And I want to make, make sure that's really clear. And I think I've written it on some of the home pages. Um, you know, don't don't expect me to be a mental health professional. That's not who I am. Um, so that was sort of the first thing. And then we've got the stories tab, which is just all of the different stories I've got. And I, where I, where possible, I've written what the problem is with them. And you can see that some of them have got pictures where people have been willing to share and some of them don't because they've been um, put through anonymously. Uh, and I've just been really lucky to have lovely stories shared with me. Um, and then the one that's important obviously is share your story. So that's got uh, information. So if you click on the share your story tab, that gives you the form, um, the link to the form. So you can fill it in and just let me know your story. But I'm also equally happy if you want to just message me directly on Twitter or drop me an email. I have absolutely no problem with getting a message from somebody saying, you know, I want to share my story, but I'm not confident enough to talk about it. Um, in public, then that's that's not a problem. I've, I've had people share me Google Docs and just say, you know, I started writing this. Is this okay? Um, and some of them haven't been published yet because they haven't finished writing. But even I, I think one of the things that I found really powerful is that and I've mentioned this before the catharsis element of it, um, and just having that opportunity to write it down, whether or not you share it. Uh, I think that's really important. Um, so I do sort of say, even if you're not going to send it to me, or even if you don't want me to publish it, it's it's worth writing things down um, because it helps you get your, your head in order, helps you figure out what's going on in your life. Um, and then the other, yeah, so the, the only other thing I put on the site was a few school resources. Um, so for example, I've mentioned, I've mentioned another thing, the School Mental Health Award is a really nice project by um, a UK university where it's an internationally recognised award that schools can work towards. Um, and I think that's just really useful because it's all about staff and school resilience and it's it's like a proper award. So when I, I had a meeting with one of the people who helps award it and it was it was fascinating, like she's, the amount of work that needs to go in it as a school. Uh, you know, you really have to actually um care about your staff and students and and so that was really <laughs> that's something nice. interesting that you said you actually have to care about your staff <laughs> and students you know I, I thought that that would be just something that's kind of like a given you know but I think unfortunately there are so many pressures on people who are in yeah. senior roles in schools that depending on how empathetic they are sometimes that caring for the staff certainly falls off the radar because you're worried about the scores, the spending, the other things, you know, the behavior. Yeah. Um, it is, it's often not a priority and it should be, it should always be a priority um, because we, we get burnout far too frequently. How many teachers have left the profession because they just can't go on anymore? 
Yep, I agree with you, you know, and, and that's you've seen teachers leave, you know, mid-year or teachers that just decided not to even start the new school year based on the experience that they had a year ago, you know, when all this took place in March. So it was very difficult, you know, to find new teachers that are, are willing to go out there and just understand what they're going to be really stepping into. But yeah. it's important, too, that they feel supported, you know, and that's something that's definitely a big need, too, as well. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's just it makes such a big difference having that opportunity to or having this having a senior leadership of school staff that care about one another can make such a huge difference. Um, and I think we I mean, if if people go away with one thing, it'd be stop, stop the stigma, you know, talk about it. Don't be afraid to say I'm struggling. Uh, OK, the first person you talk to might not be willing to listen, but there are people who are willing to listen and support. Um, Actually, yeah, going back to one of the stories that one of the one of the anonymous stories, the teacher said to me, you know, I, I couldn't I, I was too afraid to talk to somebody. And actually it was talking to my co-teacher that made all the difference that allowed me to feel confident then to talk to the head and move on with my life. And I thought it would hold me back and stop me getting a promotion. Actually, speaking to the head teacher made me get the promotion because they understood then why my behavior had been strange. Um, and I, I just think we need to make sure that everybody is more aware. And like you were saying, there are a lot of people who don't struggle with their mental health and that's great, but you need to understand what it's like for people who do struggle because it's it's overwhelming and powerful. Um, and And if you don't know what that's like, then of course you're not gonna know how to help. So, yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, Kat, thank you so much for being here today on on you know this Saturday and really just putting yourself out there, sharing your story and and what you've been able to do and accomplish and how this concept of this idea of staff room came to fruition thanks to the work and conversations of many other innovators and you being able to put this out there with your experience that you've had, understanding and creating this space where educators all over the world, anyone is welcome to join in and just partake in the conversations, whether sometimes like, you know, it, they are deep conversations. Sometimes they're just more superficial, like how's everybody doing or what new tech tools are out there or what have you used and where you can ask. But it, it's that safe space where, you know, we can all just know that we can go to and somebody either has been has gone through the experience or somebody you know will be there to lift you up and i think that's one of the the best things that i i love about staff room too as well is that we have so many people there that are willing to listen and help build you up build each other up and just uh it, you know I, I don't know it's just amazing so i can't believe it's going to be a year now and it, it's so exciting and so again, Kat, thank you so much for sharing your experience and, and your passion in being able to uh, remove that stigma of mental health and, you know, giving a space to educators to be able to share their stories, much like, you know, with this podcast too. I mean, I, I never thought that this would be my innovator project, but just to be able to hear the stories of educators that are out there and important stories, stories that can help others understand whatever it is that that we may be talking about and uh, so thank you so much for being part of my passion my passion project and sharing your story thank you for everything you're doing i love i love hearing other people's stories as i've said um and i'll just say one more thing if you are thinking about joining us for staff room please do we we you know we, we may look like a bunch of close friends but actually you'll find that someone's only been there once before we just welcome everybody in um, there's a sense of, okay, we don't know you. Hi, say hello if you want to. Otherwise, you can lurk for a bit. Um, and it it's just a very friendly place and an opportunity to let your hair down, relax, and have a giggle. Um, in my case, I have a hot chocolate or something and have a little treat. Uh, so please do join us. It's, it's not threatening. It's not intimidating. You might see some people you think are edgy famous, but I promise yeah. that they're all just a bunch of loons too. <laughs> yeah and that I think that's the best part too that a lot of people will see that you'll be like oh my goodness this is 
so-and-so yeah. that I see all the time and I see them there and they're here. It's like, hey, you know, we just love to hang out and 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 hang out with people that that understand what we're going through or and and help e build each other up. So that's amazing. So yeah, definitely join on Sundays. You know, you'll see people sometimes they'll be barbecuing while they're in staff room, which is great. You've got we've got um, a famous cook too, who uh, our friend uh, Rachel who joins in and she's always cooking something up, and we always ask her recipes and. You know, it's fun times with bowls of ice cream, apple crumble, and just casual conversation. And and so it's it's just great. So join us and uh, hopefully we'll see you there uh, either tomorrow, uh, you know, Sunday, or maybe on another following Sunday. But again, don't hesitate to join, listen, learn, and, you know, have a space where you can share how you're doing. So again, Kat, thank you so much. I appreciate you and everything that you do. Thank you to all our audience members, those of you that are watching, those of you that are going to be re-watching this. Thank you so much for your support and continually making my EdTech life what it is today. And again, I really appreciate every single one of you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. And we will see you guys next Wednesday. And until next time, stay techie, my friends.